Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. Hey, just a heads up, I want to warn some of you parents that this Swipe Right series may not be suitable for all ages. Some content's going to be graphic in nature, and we're going to try to keep it as real as we can and kind of communicate at street level. So just use discretion with your kids, knowing that some of the subjects um, you may not want to expose your children to if they're really small. So thanks again for listening, and enjoy the message. We're in week two of uh, this series called Swipe Right. And we're talking about swiping right in a different way in order to really experience what God designs for us for sex and for romance. And the reason we're doing this series is like simple. Uh, This is the bulk of our conversations throughout a year, whether it's our staff, whether it's those who counsel on our staff, like this is it. Almost everything at some level, there's a dotted line back to sex and romance and relationships because it makes up such a huge part of our lives. Like you're gonna think I'm kidding, but I get stopped in Walmart in an aisle and I'm trying to buy deodorant and somebody will see me there and start to tell me a story and give me information that I do not want to hear, um, especially in the aisle in Walmart. And they tell me this, this sordid past and talk about some of the things that they've experienced around the topic we're talking about. And um, I just listen, uh, sometimes horrified, and then uh, get to the end. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but literally I've had to go, and could you tell me your name again now that you've just told me the deepest, darkest secrets um, of your life? It's just a weird thing that pastors deal with. The other thing is when you approach people and um, they think that you're going to judge them because they're smoking or something, so they have the, they want to hide their cigarette and they're lighting their leg on fire. I'm like, dude, I like, it's okay. So... But it, it, like, it's just a major part of like, what we deal with. So here's the bottom line for this series, is I want to help you regret-proof your marriage bed and your deathbed. Knowing this, that there are a ton of scars in the room and among the thousands of people who are different media formats listening to us, there are tons of scars as it relates to sex and relationships. So this is kind of a, a tension to get comfortable in that Jesus was really comfortable in, where one side of it you're going, no matter what's happened in the past, no matter what you've experienced, no matter how much relational dysfunction there is, there is a better way and God's grace and God's mercy and God's favor is right here available to you. God wants to redeem and restore some things in your life. And one of the prime lies of the enemy is to look into your circumstances and to whisper into your ear to go, hey, because of what you've done, because of how that ended, because of what went down, you should just give up, you should just quit. And I just wanna say on the authority of Jesus, that is a lie. And there is a better way forward and Jesus' grace is available to you. So that's one side of it. But then there's the other side of it you see throughout the New Testament of warning flares to go, if you're on the edge of something, there's a better way. 
God has a good plan for sex and for romance and relationship, and he designed it. And so he wants to give you forgiveness and grace, but he also in his grace wants to keep you from some things. He wants to lead you into a better way. Like that's what I'm praying for, for my kids. And so knowing that there's so much scars around this, this is, this is kind of one of the goals is, is, to, is to somehow keep us from the regret that many people have around this subject matter. And as we said last week, you go back and listen to it, like the issue's not sex, obviously. God created sex. God created romance. God manufactured it. God's all about it. It is a big deal to enjoy sex in the context that God created it. So the problem isn't your sex drive. The problem is letting sex drive, letting sex be the catalyst for relationships. So here's generally kind of what our culture does. And again, I said this last week, culture's not the enemy, right? Yeah, thank you. I, who is that? I'm just gonna preach to you the rest of the time. Where are you at? Um, culture's not the enemy. We're engaged culture. Culture at some level is morally neutral. We've been called to be light in culture. I'm talking about the thinking and the mindsets of culture. And basically around sex and romance, it's this. You can treat sex however you want. You can handle romance however you want. You, you can um, work in, handle, manipulate relationships however you want. And, and somehow there's the idea that what we're packing today, we're not gonna lug into tomorrow. And, and it's just, it's just a lie, but here's really where the lie stems from. It stems from this whole thinking and mindset that if I just meet and marry the right person, then everything is gonna be all right. So I can, I can swipe right to do whatever I wanna do and hit it and quit it. I'm not really into relationships right now. I just wanna get laid. I just wanna have sex. I just, whatever, whatever, someday down the road. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't. I can watch whatever I want. I can look at whatever I want. I can do whatever I want here. And then there's the idea of, regardless of what that looks like, if I just meet the right person, it's gonna be good, right? Like right now, I'm just having fun. I'm in my 20s. I'm, I'm divorced at 47, so I'm gonna enjoy this for a little bit because I didn't in my 20s. And I can just kind of do whatever I want in this season. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. I don't want a committed relationship. I'm not sure if it works, looking at my parents. And so you just kind of do whatever you want. But then there's the idea that, that maybe someday, maybe at some point, maybe in this next season down the road, like when I, when I meet the right person, it's just gonna be right. And regardless of what I've done over here, the sex is going to be good and romance is going to be amazing and the relationship is going to be so good. And the only problem with that, and we said this last week, is generally in a lot of cases in culture, the other right person, they're doing the exact same thing. I, I can do whatever I want, romance, relationship, and then I, I get over here and then it's just, it's just good. And so you've got two people who they, they meet the right person generally by, do we have chemistry? Am I attracted? I wanna rip your clothes off. I've never met anybody like you. It's so special. And so they get into a relationship because the chemistry is off the charts and they try out the sex and everything seems good and they're compatible and they get into relationship and all of a sudden, a little bit down the road, they don't have relationship problems or they don't have sex problems, I should say, but they start to have problems in relationship. And then they go down the road a little bit further and the very thing that held them together, the very thing that without knowing it was driving the relationship from the start. And they thought, well, I need to learn how really to be kind or to be considerate or be patient. It's just gonna happen. I am so in love and so attracted to them. I'm never gonna be, need any reason to be patient. And then they get into relationship and all of a sudden the very thing that drove the relationship from the beginning and they didn't realize it begins to dissipate. And now there's no sexual intimacy. Now there's no 
romance. And the problem isn't a sex drive issue, another article in Men's Health, or try some different techniques or position. The problem is that great relationship is the thing that fuels sexual intimacy. But a lot of us get into maybe a marriage right now, and you're starting to believe, well, maybe, maybe because there's no sex life, things aren't good. Maybe they're not the right person. I had somebody email me this last week and said, I've been married for 10 years, and I was starting to believe the lie that because we weren't experiencing and feeling what I thought we should feel, that maybe they weren't the right person. And he said, today, I'm going to start to dispel and rip away that lie. Or maybe you're at a place where you're, you're looking at the future. You just think, well, just get the right person. It's going to be all right. And the only problem is once that happens, you get into a relationship and maybe the sex is great, but there's not a lot of relational skill. And all of a sudden, again, things start to kind of go off the rails. And, and if I can just really be direct, you spent a year planning a wedding. If you haven't given up on marriage altogether, you spent a year planning a wedding and you spent seven years creating habits to destroy a marriage. And so Paul and Jesus and Peter throughout the New Testament goes, listen, there is a better way. And sex is good. Go listen to that last week. Sex is created by God. Sex has been created for pleasure. Sex drive is not the problem, but you cannot let sex drive. Like you have to know the function of something in order to treat it properly. So like in my home right now, we just got two pets. I won't explain that whole story, but within a week's time, we went from no pets to we've got two pets. And so I'm trying to teach my kids the function of an in-house family pet. We have a cat. I don't actually know what the function of the cat is yet, but we got a cat. The cat became the catalyst for getting um, our, our little dog, um, Huck. And what I'm trying to teach my kids is, because they've never had an animal, like they're not torpedoes. They're not missiles. They are not like Brooke. They're not like central players or acrobats in your circus. And so you cannot flip them in the air. You cannot throw them. I mean, unless it's the cat, that's fine. I'll land on his feet. Um, you, you cannot, like, you cannot carry him around by his collar like this. Like, I walked into my room and Ryder's got the dog yesterday by his collar, just carrying him around like this. Like, I mean, so. Like, I've got to teach them the function of, hey, these, these animals are going to die if you can't figure out they're not a stuffed animal and you can't treat them like that. I mean, you, some of the things they've done already is off the rails. Same is true with any area of our life, with anything, you have to understand its function. With sex, you have to understand its function. And so the whole bottom line is this, it is healthy relationship. It is healthy relationship that drives sexual intimacy. And it all starts with this question. Are you, am I, are we becoming the right person? You're like, what does this have to do with sex and romance? Has everything to do with it. Are you, maybe you're in the middle of a marriage and it's just, it's gone. Maybe you're on the front side of another marriage. Maybe you're single and you're looking down the road and you're starting to believe the lies of some of these myths. And really before you move forward with anything, before you start to evaluate what you need to do to somehow spice up the sex life, this, this is actually the question that starts it all off. Are you becoming the right person? Here's how Paul said it. He ended this um, little letter we were looking at last week with these words that out of context, they seem like they're out of place, but in this discussion, they make sense. When I was a child, Paul said, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, or I became an adult, I put away childish ways. 
every childhood fairy tale ends with you just meet the right person and you live happily ever after. And for a lot of us in culture, and all of us are susceptible, we're dating, we're handling romance, we're handling relationships like a fairy tale. And Paul says, I want you to put away those childish ways. So here's what I wanna do for a few minutes is I wanna talk specifically to men for just a couple minutes. It's gonna be relevant to everybody, but I wanna talk specifically to men about what it means to put away childish ways. And, and here's the thing, like whether you wanna admit it or not, and this is not an equality thing, and this is not like a 1950s, men still set the pace for relationships in a lot of cases. There's a bunch of women going, man, I wish you would kind of step up. I wish you would be more. I wish you would lead out a little bit more, not in some crazy antiquated way that the church has presented in the past, but I just want you to lead the way in, in terms of becoming the right person. So if you were to embrace what we're about to talk about, it could change everything. And here's specifically what I want to talk about because I only have three weeks, so I got to go to the heart of the matter. I want to talk specifically about how men view women, not just not just the women that you're married to. I, hopefully it's just one, so not women. The, the woman that you are married to. Um, we don't live in a different state. Um, the, the girl that you're dating, but all women. And I'm telling you, like, I think there's something in us as guys. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus. So if you're not, I have no right to tell you what to do in relationships. So you can pick and choose what you want over the next few minutes and filter out the Jesus part. But if you're a follower of Jesus, but I think this is anybody, there's something in us that wants to be more. Like, I love this um, quote by Shane Claiborne. It was in a book that he wrote. And he was specifically talking about the next generation. He said this. He said, I'm convinced that if we lose kids to the culture, meaning again, like the cultural mindset, it's because we don't dare them, not because we don't entertain them. Kids want to do something heroic with their lives, which is why they play video games and join the army. But what they do, what do they do with a church that teaches them to tiptoe through life so that they can arrive safely at death? And see, that's the whole reason I even want to do um, this series. And I know for some of you, and I don't even know who you are because the, honestly, the feedback has been amazing of those who have said, man, it's the catalyst, start talking with my kids. Here's what God's already done in my marriage. But I know among some church people, if you kind of grew up in church culture, maybe you're just watching that, I can't believe you talk about this. I can't believe you'd use some of the terms that you've used and on and on and on it goes. Like this is part of the problem. And can I just say this? I don't want to say it harshly, but in a lot of like church cultures, we got people sitting back piously going, I can't believe you talk about that. I can't believe you'd say that. I can't believe you'd reference that. Are the very ones in many cases that are hiding behind a facade and a pew and they're the ones that can't unwind themselves from a porn addiction, or they've got teenagers who have so been inundated with a mindset about sex and romance and culture, and they're sitting back in seats and pews going, I can't believe we talk about that. That's part of the problem. And maybe if you'd step back from your pious, I can't believe, maybe it's the very thing God wants to use in your life to free you from some things that you've been hiding for 20 years because you think you can't be honest in the church. And maybe it'd be one of the greatest gifts you could give your son or your daughter. That's why we're talking about it. And by the way, for a lot of you, like even last week, everything that I've said, just straight up, this might, you may lose some sleep. Your seven-year-old is already there. It's already there. And so 
wherever, I don't even know where I'm going with that. That's not my message. So, um, but as men, let's bring it back in. How, how we view women. So here, isn't this true? Maybe you're not going to agree. And, um, but here's how women are, are kind of looked at in culture. They're viewed, they're talked about, they're presented, they're sung about as a commodity. Like even um, this last week on Friday, I think it was, I got the new ESPN, the magazine, and the headline covers, we have to change the way our society views women. With the whole issues with the Olympic gymnastics team and the sexual abuse and the horrific behavior that went on for years. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Um, I'll get that in a second. It's everywhere. And here's basically what a commodity is. Thanks, man. Commodity is an article of trade or commerce. It's a basic good used in commerce that is interchangeable with other commodities of the same type. And you know what? In many cases, what a lot of women are feeling or what's communicated as a whole is take me, use me, and then eventually trade me in for another one. Take me, use me, and then trade me in for another one. And it's everywhere. I mean, whether it's the Me Too movement, but that's just, that's a microcosm. What's going on in Hollywood or the film industry is a microcosm of everywhere. In business, in church, denominations, it's, it's everywhere. And, and that's the idea of take me, use me, and then trade me in for another one. And so consequently, you have a bunch of dudes in culture that are kind of behaving and talking and acting like little boys. And the, the way forward is, listen, there is something better. And I think your heavenly father, even if you've never embraced him and his son Jesus has put something inside of you that says, no, no, there is more. That There is something beyond maybe what I've experienced or how I've handled all of this. And, and if you would ever embrace this, it, it really could change everything. It could change your relationship. It could change your marriage. And I'm telling you, it could change your sex life. And so here's what's crazy, as countercultural as what I'm about to talk about is, it's hard to believe, but it was more countercultural in the first century. In the first century, women were not just viewed or treated like a commodity, women were a commodity. Like in a Greco-Roman culture, women were basically treated as sex slaves in many cases. You'd have a lot of wealthy men who didn't want to split their inheritance, so they'd, just, they'd get women on the side. Prostitution was legal and Greco-Roman culture. And so he's like, listen, I got needs. I, like, I want to have sex, but I don't want to split my inheritance. And so they just, they would, and then in many cases, the culture had given up on marriage altogether. Two times in Roman culture, they tried to legislate marriage because everybody was giving up on it. Like, why do we need marriage? We've got, we need to have women on the side. We can have sex on the side. We can fulfill our needs. We don't really need the commitment. And so it, like, it was an unbelievable culture where women were seen as less than people. They couldn't be witnesses in court. They were discarded in many cases, and I won't go through the horrific details. In many cases, little baby girls who were born were taken to a place and they were just dropped off, never to be seen from again, because it's just, you know, they're just girls. They're just baby girls. They're just women. So women literally were a commodity and culture. And just think about this because we lose the shock value. We lose the, oh my gosh. But into that culture, women are commodities. Women are sex slaves. Women are traded and treated however you want. And into that culture steps Jesus. And into that culture, Paul writes, and into that culture, Peter comes along and says, there is a new way and there is a new day. But Jesus got it all started with this. And you've heard these words before. But, but if you're specifically a Jesus follower as a man, this is the way forward. Jesus said this, 
I'm giving you a new command. Guys, first century, this is before he died and was ascended. Guys, I want you to love one another. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Even the girls? Yes, even the girls. I know that's different in culture and society, but I, okay, so is that why it's a new command? Yes, because no ethic like this even exists in Roman Greek culture. Love was not an ethic of the Greek gods. I want you to love one another. And then he ratchets up the accountability as I have loved you, Jesus, your savior toward you, as I have loved you, included a cross, as I have loved you, so you must. This is what love demands. So you must love one. Oh, wait, wait. are you talking about women too? Shut up. Yes, I'm talking about women. Everybody. And I don't want you to do it just because you feel it, just because they're hot, just because you're attracted to them, because you, it seems like they're worthy. I want you to, to love every single woman. Esteem, honor, value, the way I have esteemed honored and value you, valued you even when you were not worth it. I want you to do this. And then he says, and by this, by, by the way you honor them, men, the way you esteem them, the way you elevate them, the way you treat them in every circumstance and in every season of your life, by this, this is why it's new, by this one thing, all people, all men, all the world will know that you are my followers if you love one another like that. And basically, Jesus is going, listen, every single individual, you already know this, every single woman you are eyeball to eyeball with, every single woman, woman you are eyeball to eyeball with across the screen are made in the image of God. And they have extraordinary value an extraordinary worth. And Jesus is like, and I want you to treat them that way. The game has changed. There is an equal plane and it is everybody, everywhere. And in the first century, he had to specify, and men, this includes the women. So Paul comes along later and he says this, I want you to love your wives, guys who are giving up on marriage in the first century. I want you to love your wives like Christ loved the church. Oh, wait, wait, one more question, Paul. Didn't Jesus die for the church? So, okay, <laughs> so you, so what are you saying? Because Paul, you probably already know this. We're in a culture where men don't really give. We're takers. And they're just women. And they're, they're, just, they're, they're just commodities. I mean, nobody sees it that way. Nobody views it that way. So you're telling me that you want me to view every single women, every single woman, like even Roman women, yeah, yeah, even Roman women, every single woman as made in the image of God, that you want me to give up me to lay down what I deserve, what I desire, what I want for the sake of her? Paul's like, yes, that's it. The men, Men in the first century, men 2,000 years later, that every single woman that you come in contact with, that this is the way forward to be seen in the image of God, to attribute and ascribe extraordinary value and extraordinary worth, to treat every single individual, every single woman is made in the image of God. And the primary goal in a relationship, just men, listen to me for a second. I know this is countercultural and it does not seem like this is going to end well or this is not gonna end in great relationships or great sex. And this is the thing of, I think God's trying to keep something from me and nothing could be further from the truth. 
The thing that could change your relationships more than anything is as a man to go, my number one priority in this relationship is not to get mine. My number one priority in this relationship is not to get back what I put into it. My primary relationship is in this relationship is not to get them to respond in reciprocation. My number one priority in this relationship is literally to be willing to give up getting mine and get what I want and get in return and lay down my life and my desires for the sake of her. And Paul's going, that's a huge standard, but I'm just telling you, that's it. And then he says, this, or actually Peter comes along and says this in 1 Peter 3, 7. And just like, imagine this, Peter, Peter's the guy that was like with Jesus almost every step of the way. Like Peter's the guy that was with Jesus that day where they were sent to go get lunch somewhere and Jesus stops for a Samaritan woman. And again, we're like, oh yeah, that's a great story. That was shocking. Like she's a Samaritan, a lot of racial tension, didn't associate that with them. She was a woman. And Jesus comes up on this Samaritan woman, starts chatting, starts having a conversation. That's really, what are you doing, Jesus? And then he drinks after her. And they're all going, okay, you can't do that. She's unclean. She's defiled. You shouldn't even be having a conversation. And there, there his guys are that day watching Jesus treat a woman who was so mistreated in society. And then there's that day that they're at the temple steps and there's a woman from some voyeuristic peeping toms is caught in adultery. And Jesus comes up and begins to have a conversation with this woman and undoubtedly leans down, probably puts his hand on her shoulder as he's talking to her about the fact that there is hope and forgiveness and that God can change her past and move her forward and that she's not under, under condemnation. And they're sitting there watching Jesus talk to this unclean, defiled woman on the steps of the temple, putting his hand on her shoulder going, Jesus, what are you doing? And then later, Jesus would gather in an upper room and go, no, 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 a new command I give you. I want you to love one another by, like this, and by this, everyone's going to know you're my followers. Everyone's going to know that you are my disciples. And so Peter comes along and he says this. So with that in mind, because I saw it happen, I saw it go down, I was with Jesus. Husbands, in the same way, just like that. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with, what's the word? What's the word? Respect. All right, one more time. Not like church, hush, we're in a library. Treat them with what? Respect. And here's the thing, like as he's writing this, you're like, oh, do you have to write that? I mean, seriously, like, do you need to, do you need a way? I mean, it was unbelievably expensive to copy anything in the first century. You could have saved some line with that. Like, did you have to write that down? And his answer is, yeah, I had to write that down. That, that I want you, I want you to assign them respect. It's a little Greek word that's not used often, meaning they're trying to make a point. I want you to a grant or I want you to assign them honor. I want you to grant or I want you to assign them honor, respect. I want you to elevate. I want you to value. And he's like, Peter's like, listen, it is a new day and it is a new ethic. 
By the way, it's going to change the world, and the West is going to be turned upside down years down the road because of what is happening in this moment. But I'm telling you, this is what you've been called to do as you are eyeball to eyeball with every single woman in your life. And again, as they're writing this, like they're, they're so trying to get their mind around it, and we still struggle with that today because I guarantee you they're in the audience going, okay, but um, Peter, you haven't met our wives like, how can you say that? How can he say that? He hasn't even met her yet. Like, how, how can you just blanket statement? I just want you to respect her. Have you met her? And this is his whole point. I don't care. <laughs> this, this is the new ethic. This is the new way. This is, there's a higher authority because I'm not asking you to do it because she's honorable. I'm not asking you to do it because maybe she's acting respectfully and the same is true on the other side. I'm asking you ultimately to do it. And listen to me, this would change relationships if we could get a hold of it. I'm asking you to do it because of what Jesus has done for you. And that kind of scandalous, it does not, it's not deserved. I shouldn't even be receiving it. That kind of love when we understand it is a catalyst to change how we function with other people, to change how we act and interact in our relationship. That that love is the fuel to change everything. It is a supernatural, it is a powerful love, and it's gonna take you beyond chemistry and attraction, and it's gonna do something in the midst of relationships that you thought were dead, because when you get two people that start going, I wanna become the right person, and I'm gonna lay down my life regardless of you, I'm telling you, miracles begin to happen. God begins to change stuff. God begins to alter it all, and so he says, I... I'm just saying, I'm, men, I'm calling you to go first. I want you to respect. I want you, I want you to show honor as the weaker partner. Now, before you hyperventilate, um, this is where some, this helps to know the original that you're talking about an ancient language that was dead and they're trying to translate it into English. And so sometimes the translation's not good. Here was the original Greek word. Original Greek word is, I want you to treat them as fine crystal. Meaning it had nothing to do with equality, had nothing to do with power, had nothing to do with any of the worth. It had everything to do with the point that he was trying to convey is I want you, I want you in every relationship and with every woman, woman, I want you to treat them with care because they have extraordinary value in the eyes of their heavenly father. I want you to go to unbelievable lengths. And again, I just can't, I just can't express this enough. This is so crazy in that culture. No, no, this is might make makes right. This is we have the power, we leverage the power for us. You have influence, that influence is for a reason, it's for you. you. You work in Rome and you've got any kind of leverage, then you take that leverage for your benefit and it moves its way into every area of our life. And so into that culture of might makes right and men can do whatever the heck they want. He writes to say, no, it is a new day. It is a new ethic. And what I'm telling you to do, let me just be really clear, Peter says, is I want you to use all of your leverage, whatever that is. And in the first century, you have a lot. And I want you to, to use all of your influence. And I want you to use all of your power, not for the sake of you. I want you to use it for the sake of them. And then he's not done. As heirs with you, talking about women with men, that they are heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. They answer the same heavenly father. They have the same savior. 
They have the same God, even if they've not moved in his direction yet, that looks at them and says, you are made in my image. And so you're accountable to the same heavenly father that they're accountable to, and you, they've received the same thing from that heavenly father that you've received, specifically if you're a follower of Jesus. And so he says, you just need to keep that in mind. They're heirs of the same thing. There is an equal level plane. And I, like, I just get the imagery of like, this is, this is God of the universe on the porch with a gun, just going, listen, just have her home by 11. She's got the same heavenly father as you do. And this is not some ethereal terms. She's my daughter. Just like you're my son. And then he says this, and this is kind of radical. And do all this so that nothing's going to hinder your prayers. And he said, well, this is not, okay, God's grace. Is God going to take his grace? No, no, no. Is it his favor? No. His mercy? No. Salvation, once you enter into relationship with Jesus, it's by grace through faith. And the moment you place your faith and trust in him going, I believe you died on the cross for me in history. From for my sin, past, present, and future. I believe you walked out of a grave alive. I can't earn my way to God. I've got enough history to know that. And so I'm trusting what God has done for me through Jesus. And the moment you make that transfer of trust, you become a son and a daughter of God, literally by adoption. You are forgiven. You are given new life. You are given a future. And nothing can ever undo that. But here's the thing that we need to know we're going to talk about next week, is that God has a will for your life. God has a destiny for your life. God wants to do something through you and your salvation and his love for you are not at stake. But I'm telling you, there is nothing like living an existence where you look back and go, I wish I would have done it differently. And at some level, how you handle your desires are going to affect and impact your destiny. How you handle your God-given desires are gonna influence your destiny, meaning all that God wants to do through your life. God's will for your life, God's supernatural activity in your life. And so he says, you just need to know there's a connection here. And when you treat her a certain way, it affects your relationship with me. This is the new ethic. This is the new way. You cannot treat people however you want at the horizontal level. You cannot treat women however you want at the horizontal level and think that everything is cool at the vertical level. And I still love you, but she is my daughter. And so don't treat people like crap here and then think you can sing some songs and give some money and be cool here. That's not how it works any longer. If you want to know if you're following me, it's how you love people you're in relationship with around you. And that includes everybody. And so single guys, real quick, and I got to go quick. This is how you treat every woman that you're eyeball to eyeball with. And I know like you already get this, but I'm just telling you, this needs to be a megaphone in our generation, in our culture. Every woman, the ones that are hot, the ones you're attracted to, the ones you're not attracted to, this mentality that has just pervaded of just swipe right, swipe right, casual sex, sexual encounter, hit it and quit it, can do that as quick as I can order an Uber. The relationship, I just want to get laid. I'm not into, relation, I'm not into commitment right now. I just, I just want to have sex. I just want to meet my needs. I'm not going to text her back. I don't think this is going anywhere. When I eventually meet the right person, these aren't the right people. Every single woman you are eyeball to eyeball with is made in the image of God. And can I just say this? And I just want to, you cannot date 
like a slave owner now and then suddenly honor after you say, I do. It doesn't happen. And there's a bunch of married people that thought it was just going to happen. And they were just going to flip a switch and it was going to change. And now they're in a marriage relationship believing the lies that sex and romance don't work in marriage and it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with God has a way. God's not going to force you into it. It's not so you can be saved or, or have more of his favor, but simply I've created this to work a certain way and I want you to follow me and trust me. And when you don't, there's consequences because sex and romance is not just pleasurable, it's powerful. And guys, married men, th this is it, man. This is it. Whether, whether you're in a marriage right now where you're starting to believe the lie that she's not the right person, that is such a myth. I said this last week, outside of abuse or unfaithfulness, here's how you know you're married to the right person. You are married to them. And God's sovereignty. And man, what, what could happen? What could happen? What, what could happen if you began to answer that question of, I want to become the right person person. I want to get help. I want to begin to be released from this, and, and I want to go a different direction. I'm just telling you, it, it could change and restore your marriage when you thought all hope was lost. It could change what happens as you move forward. It could change and alter your sex life forever because God is for it. God wants that for you. So as we close, let me be real, real direct, and then we're going to be done. Two things. You need to renew your mind to think differently. You need to make up your mind to behave differently. You need to renew your mind. Let me just tell you a couple things. I know this is going to seem like, where are you coming from? And it's what I expect a pastor to say, but I just, you need to renew your mind. What you're taking in, it matters. Like, let me just start with the area of music. If you have any kind of playlist right now, if you have any thing that you're listening to, anything that you're streaming, and it talks about women as bitches or whores, you should get that off your playlist before today ends. That's right. That's right. You should just be done. Well, I'm not going to have any music to listen. I don't care. Well, that's just a style. That's just a culture. I don't care. Anything that demeans other individuals who are made in the image of God, it's, it's not okay. It's not all right. And here's the thing. I'm saying this as like... Uh, like I love you, but somebody just needs to say this. And, and if I offend you, and this, sometimes I joke, sometimes I do series, I should just call Clear Out the Seat series. Um, but I just want to be, I just want to be honest with you. And here's the thing. I, I know, I get it. It's easy to think it really, does it, come on, does it really have that big a connection? Study history, man. Study history. Every mass genocide began with people feeling they, they could ascribe terms to other people. And eventually they began to treat them that way. Rwanda, they started calling a group of people cockroaches. Eventually, they treated them that way. There was mass genocide. All, all the way back to, to the Nazis in, Germany's who would, in Germany who would call Jewish women whores. All the way back to how we talked about Native Americans. All of the things that, that led to slavery in our own country. All of the things that led up to the civil rights movement. I'm telling you, every single time they ascribed terms to people and eventually they treated them according to those terms. It has extraordinary power. And so you just need to be careful. And I'm just saying this as... You just need to be careful. And then the second thing is you need, is in terms of renew your mind, is, is the issue of porn. 
And I've said this throughout the series because I, I live in the re real world. That's why I wanted to try to do this series at, at street level and talk to you in terms that you're actually going to understand. It's pervasive. It's everywhere. Tons of people in our gathering. I mean, 100%. And so you don't need to hide it. You don't need, this is not a church culture where this is elevated above, above something else. You need to move to a place where you can get help. You need to move to a place where God can free you. God can liberate you. But here's what I want to tell some of you who don't think it's a big deal. Every time you engage with pornography or any kind of erotic imagery, and this, this comes from a book I read years ago that I think presents this so well. Every time you do that, it's taking you to school and it's teaching you three things. It's teaching you a real body is not good enough. And one body isn't good enough and your wife's body isn't good enough. Every time, and I know you don't know it, and I know most people don't think of it this way, but every time you engage, it is taking you to school, and it is teaching you and hardwiring you that a real body isn't good enough, one body isn't good enough, and my wife's body isn't good enough. And I'm telling you, for years it was, well, this is not hurting anybody. Listen, World War II, they gave out cigarettes to as many as they could to all the GIs, and then years later, they're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. See, generally, specifically in the area of sex is God has a certain plan and God has a certain way. And every time we engage in sin, it either hurts us or it hurts other people. And eventually the research catches up. And now years down the road where it's not a big deal, it's not hurting anybody, uh-oh, it's actually releasing a chemical in your brain. It's actually heroin-like where there's an addictive nature to it. And literally you begin to see other people and women as commodities and it deadens your desire for intimacy with real women. And decades later, they're like, uh-oh, we had no idea. And I'm telling you, there's people, there's men going, that explains a lot. There's women going, I knew there was something to that. And listen, if you're in that place, and again, I want to say this lovingly, but you're like, oh, whatever, it's not that big a deal, and I can kind of binge and do whatever I want now, and it's going to be fine later. Here's what I think you owe your future wife or, or your wife or your next marriage, that you just need to sit down, and I'm not even joking, and just go, listen, you just need to know, I want to get this out um, right up front, is as you continue, just I'm just going to go this direction, and it doesn't matter. You just need to know, real bodies don't really do it for me. And actually, one body doesn't really do it for me and your body's never gonna do it for me. And I just thought I should let you know. Now I know you, but why wouldn't you do that? Rather than getting years down the road and they're like, what is, what is going? And you start to look at everything else, not understanding why the sexual intimacy has died. And I just wanna explain this one step further because I feel like growing up in the church, nobody ever did this for me. Here's how God created sex. It's beautiful, it's awesome, it's his gift. I'm pro-sex, my favorite thing in the world other than raising my kids that were the product of that. Like, I, I love it. God is all about it. But listen, he designed sex a certain way that every time you engage in a sexual activity, a sexual act, sex itself, every time you do that, you're making a promise with your body. Every time. God designed it that way. God wired it that way. Every single time, whether it's the sexual act with another woman or whether it's a computer screen that every time you engage in sexual activity, a sexual act, it is making a promise with your body. God designed it to work that way. There's an adhesiveness to it. There's a connectiveness to it. There is a, a powerful like stickiness to it because God designed it as something really special in the exclusivity of relationship where it'll take you deeper emotionally and spiritually and mingle souls in a way that doesn't happen any other way. So when you take it out of its context, it still does that. But sometimes it's doing it toward a computer screen. 
It's why sex and, and porn is so addictive because every time you do it, God designed it that it would make a promise with your body. And now on the other side of maybe years of binging on this, you're maybe in a relationship with somebody and she feels like she's competing with a thousand different women who don't even exist. And so you just need to let it go. And I know it's not as simple as that. So you need to get some kind of accountability, not somebody to beat you over the head, somebody to go, hey man, do you know God loves you and God has a better way? And I just wanna walk you through getting freedom from this. We have a couple groups that are gonna start at the end of this series, just help with sex addictions because this is stirring up a whole lot of stuff. You need to go under the pavilion, find the tent and get into a community group to do life with other people. Best decision you could ever make. But you need to do some things to get free because God created sex, he owns the patent and you have to use as directed. And no matter what's happened in the past, he can lead you into a better way. And then I just wanna say this last thing because I'm over time, but it's so important and I gotta be done. Here's the thing that maybe helps some of you is the enemy always uses forbidden fruit, always. God's called you to accomplish something in business there will always be a way that springs up to get to where you want to get, and it's not the most ethical way. Same thing in education, same thing in every area of your life, same thing in marriage, that the enemy will always use forbidden fruit. One of the things that he wants to, to happen is he will do everything he can to distort. He'll do everything he can to confuse. And before marriage, his forbidden fruit is sex outside of marriage. After marriage, it becomes something or someone else. But he always uses forbidden fruit, meaning this. You think, well, we're in a committed relationship. Everything's great, or I can do whatever I want, click one, and then I'll end that. Here's the thing you don't understand is the enemy will always change his tactics. So what you're doing in that moment is you are feeding an appetite because temptation is an appetite. You are feeding an appetite. That appetite is growing, and you can't just turn it off. And so you say, I do, and all of a sudden, guess what? The focus of your temptation changes, but you've already fed that appetite for so long, it's very difficult to resist. And you thought after I do, well, she'll just be enough. No, 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 no. The enemy is much more clever than that. He will then use something or someone else to garner your attention because his whole goal is this. He would love for you to have sex before marriage and he would love for you to not have sex after marriage. It's his whole tactic because he can't take your life. So what he wants to do is steal it and disrupt it and get you to settle for less. And it's not that God's trying to keep something from you. God wants something for you. And so I gotta be done. You gotta renew your mind. And then you just gotta change your mind. You, you gotta get into some places where you can begin to learn and practice honoring and elevating. You, you need to move into a place where you do whatever you can to begin to become the right person. You may need to hit pause on relationships for a while if you're single. If you're a married person, you need to do everything you can to get help. But the question is, am I becoming the right person? Am I becoming who God has called me to become? And that's what Paul means when he says this. I'm gonna close. This is what he means when he says this one statement. I put, I decided, I made up my mind. I was gonna put childish ways behind me. And I can't end without saying this. No matter where you've been, no matter what it's looked like in the past, God loves you from now on. God can redeem. God can restore. God sent his son who knew no sin to become sin for you so that you could become the righteousness of God. If you're in Christ, if you place your faith and trust in Christ, he doesn't see your relational dysfunction. He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And it is his love, not guilt, not shame, that can propel you forward to say, God, I want to experience your best for me. And so listen, 
The enemy, I just want you to hear me. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's gonna start every single time in your relationships because at some level they determine the direction and the quality of your life. So guys, you have a choice in the matter, you really do. Don't let it happen. Church, we need to lead the way on this. We need to, men in in our churches, we need to lead the way on this. We need to invest in the next generation. There is a culture that has embraced a sexual ethic, and I say this with all certainty, a sexual ethic that is not working. And they're hungry for truth. We gotta lead the way. So right now for some of you, I'm gonna renew my mind. I'm gonna make up my mind. Would you stand wherever you're at? Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I know this hits us in a thousand different ways and in a thousand different places. And so I just pray that your love and your grace and your invitation of a better way and of hope and restoration for our relationships and our marriages and our dating life is what you're offering right now. So do what you wanna do in every single one of us. For a lot of us, our, our declaration right now, based off of your love, because it is your kindness that leads us to change and nothing else. So in your kindness today, you have us here, you have us listening so that you could say to us, I want something more for you. And so God, help us to receive that invitation. And God, begin to move into things that we thought were dead and broken forever and bring them to life and put them back together. And we ask this, in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.